1: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to The Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. On the Gabe Cool Show 929 FM ESPN, and we have a treat here. Uh Brave the Elements. Had to get over here on the ice and the snow. We have the head coach of the Memphis Showboats. New head coach of the Memphis showboats, John DiFilippo here. Um, coach, how's it going, man? How are you? I, I, you just got uh, you just came from the uh, airport, from what I understand. Yeah, I
2: just came from the airport. I uh, my offseason off-season homes in Atlantic Beach, Florida. Nice so, uh, Came out of those clouds today, and the ground was, shoot, the ground was about 30 feet below, and all of a sudden I saw snow and ice. I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, well, but it's awesome to be here.
0: Well, help us imagine. How was the weather when you left? It was, I'll tell you, it's, it's North Florida, so it was only about, it was in the okay. low 60s. Okay. Low 60s. Low 60s, yeah. but uh, precipitation, nothing on, the nothing on the ground. You're, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> all good. Um Now, I have to start because um I played Football at the University of Memphis from 13 to 17. Started 51 games. No big deal. Not bragging at all. Um, and then I uh, I tried my thing with the uh, with pro football. Try out with the Saints. I had you know track record. I have a little bit of track record. Tried with the AAF for a while. Are you in? Uh, are you guys in any need for a interior offensive lineman that's been uh, out of football for a few years? Uh, you, any 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 need for that? I saw what you guys are paying, so uh, I, I figured I'd throw my name in the hat.
2: Unfortunately, we have a roster full of 75 guys right now, but things are always fluid up until training <laughs> okay. camp. So there's always a chance.
0: Okay, just get my number. Get my number. We'll, we'll text back and forth. If you have any issues with any of the guys on the roster,
2: I'm there for you. you got, you'll be our first guy up on our next man up.
0: List. Yeah, but I only need I, about five plays is all I can get in the game. There you yeah, go. I, well, I don't work out as much as I used to. <laughs> <laughs> so, how has this been, man? Uh, we, we had the uh, merger. With the USFL and the XFL, that's exciting in itself. It's now the United Football League. Um, but you were the New Orleans Breakers last year as the head coach, 7-3. and three. Getting in the playoffs, you have a tough loss. How has this been for you? It's definitely a, a change of pace. Um, you've been in college football. You've been in the NFL. You've had a bunch of different stops. You were telling me before we even started this segment that you have, you've had to move 24 separate times. How has this been, um, and, and how much have you enjoyed um the USFL and
2: ultimately the United football. League. That's a great question. Um, Last year with the new Orleans breakers, you know, I was at a point in my career after spending 15 years in the NFL, I wanted to be challenged and and do something a little bit different than what I've been used to doing. And and what's the thing that you can challenge is sit in that head coach chair and see what comes across your desk every day. And, and, I'll tell you, the Breakers players played awesome for us last year. And it was just refreshing to be around a bunch of guys that really want to be coached, or love to play football, or are doing it for the right reasons. And it really brings you back to the reason you got into coaching in the first place is you love football, you love teaching, you love seeing people get better, you love seeing people's success and failures, mm-hmm. and people learn from both things. And so the fact that I had the opportunity that when this league merged, which is going to be even better now, unfortunately some jobs got cut and, right. and there's not going to be as many player jobs. In it, but what that means is there's going to be a better product on the field for the fans mm-hmm. and for the t- uh, viewers on TV. So that's going to be a huge thing. So when, when Daryl Johnson, our, our director of football ops, called me and asked me if I wanted to coach the Memphis team, I was like, absolutely, number one, because we played them twice last year and scrimmaged them. So we played two games and a half of football against the Memphis Showboats last year. I knew how stout they were on defense. I knew there were some 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 areas on the roster that we needed to shore up a little bit, but I knew there were some pieces there for sure.
0: Now, what do you think about the talent level? I mean, like truthfully, again, college football, NFL, uh, now in a, in a, uh, a separate league, uh, just generally a pro league. What do you think about the talent level? Because when you hear when you hear people talk about an expansion league or a, a, a feeder league, depending on the, the situation and the conversation they're having, they, they do sort of wonder about the talent level that you're seeing. But how does it compare to the NFL?
2: It's, I would equate it to this. We have the majority of the players on our team are guys that have played a year or two or been on practice squads for a year or two in the National Football League. And so there's a there's a shelf life in a practice squad player if you haven't played a lot. Now the practice squad rules have changed in the NFL where you can bring veteran players on now. Just you know I don't know the exact rules, but you can bring veteran players on and pay them what you want to pay them. But if you're a young player, there's a shelf life. Either you show what you can do on tape, or you can't. So there needs to be a place for those young men to try to get back to the National Football League. Uh, and you know the team that won the USFL last year had had 16 – the Birmingham Stallions had 16 players sign off their team to the NFL right. roster. So, you know, that's the goal is to get as many guys back as we can. Um, and we're in the development. That's what we want to do is right. help young men develop so they can keep, keep chasing their dreams and keep playing football.
0: Um, now, what do you think about the roster you have right this second that you're going to have to work with here relatively soon? Well, we're
2: excited that they expanded the roster size. Last mm-hmm. year, we only brought 58 to camp. This year, we're bringing 75. So what does that mean is up guys started for 51 – Starts. Right. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. I guarantee they tried to bring somebody in that, that's somebody under you that was they thought was might be better than beat you out. Right. Well, there's more. There's going to be more competition. Okay. Yep. There's going to be a lot more competition in camp, and it's just going to push everybody harder. I really like the roster we have right now. There's been a lot of change. Um, you know, we drafted Case Cookus yep. you know, from the Philadelphia Stars, uh, you know, to be a, a quarterback. Not the quarterback, because we, we're not handing anything to anybody. So... We drafted him to you know, add him to the quarterback room. We upgraded at a lot of, lot of places. Um, you saw us, we brought all three specialists from the New Orleans Breakers. We drafted those guys last week in the draft. So it's going to be a, a different-looking team on defense. It's going to look very similar. Carnell Lake is still our defensive coordinator, yep. did a really nice job last year. So that was important for me personally and for our coaching staff, the guys that were coming with me from New Orleans, to have a guy that is not only a great coach, but a great person and knows the roster to help us mm-hmm. all transition through this, right? Because myself and Wade Phillips down at the, you know, at the San Antonio Brahmas, we're the only two technically new head coaches that are with new teams. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is the Bob Stoops is the world and the Skip Holtz is the world. They're with their same team, so they know their team. We're, right. we're, we're up against a little bit. So Carnell has really helped bridge that gap.
0: All right, now stylistically, you're an offensive guy, offensive yeah. coordinator at, at multiple stops. You look for a lot in your quarterbacks. You've been a quarterback's coach. I know you work very closely with them still. What, what, stylistically, what is your sort of philosophy on offensive football?
2: I think you throw the ball. Okay, to get the lead and you run the ball to win. Mm-hmm. That's what I think you do. I think you try to go in and, and score as many points as quickly as you can and run the ball and break their heart at the end of the game. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying we're not going to run the ball on first down in the first half. That's not what I'm saying at all. And that we don't value running the football. But if you talk to all the analytics people, and I know that's a curse word to a lot of your listeners out there that are you know football peers, but you have if, if you, you have to listen to it a little bit because there is some right. numbers that back that up. So. Um, we like to throw the football. I mean, I, I lasted 13 games with Mike Zimmer because I threw the ball too much. So, <laughs> yeah. you, know, so yeah. you know, and uh, we tried to run it, but we weren't built that way. When you have Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and, 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 and you know, Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield. And, and uh, you know, it's it, we were built to throw the football. And uh, that's where we have had success and, and it didn't work out. But, you know, it's what it is. And, and we like throwing the football.
0: Now you talk about analytics crowd. Um, I'm curious because I listen. I'm a football guy. I like running the football. Uh, I, I get annoyed with a lot of people that bring up EPA per play to just talk about a DVOA, all these different advanced analytics. How much do you buy into those particular analytics? Um, and you know, in my opinion. I see it with like ringers, NFL division, right. and all these guys. They seem to latch themselves onto it. It doesn't necessarily tell the whole story of the game. In my
2: particular, point. I'll, I'll tell you a great, great way I, I, how I view analytics, and it's, it's a little bit of a story. I, I'm, an, I'm not going to name the team, but I was, I was, a, I was at a team that was had a believed in analytics, and I've been right. on a bunch of teams that believe in analytics, and so I used to get a printout from the analytics people. Like, this 10-page thing would just go through. all, And I literally would start to get a headache. Literally a headache. So finally I go up to the young man, and I say, hey. I said, can you give me five to seven points that are going to dictate whether or help us win or lose this game? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I I don't need 500 points. But, like, I'll give you a case in point. One year we were playing the Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. And they were averaging giving up. 5.2 5.2 yards running to the left and 3.8 yards running to the right, from what I remember. Right. It, it might have been three. Yeah. Six, whatever. That's a pertinent piece of information. A hundred percent. Okay. I don't need to know what the guy eats for lunch every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I don't need to know that he's a left brain thinker and all, all this stuff. I don't need to know that stuff. Give me that that's a piece of information I can use. Five point two to the left, three point eight to the right, that we're gonna major on running the football to the left. And we ended up Doing that, and we won the football
0: game. Yeah, and I see, like, the, the, this year, for example, the Buffalo Bills, it came up with uh, Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator, who I think it, it did a fine job. um a good coach. Um, and he's a good coach, and, and he drew up some good plays. There were some turnovers from Josh Allen in that in that time. Um, but they, they struggled when Ken Dorsey, as a team, to win games when Ken Dorsey was the OC. Um, and everybody talked about his EPA per play. It's so high. It's leading the NFL down the stretch of the season. They turned it around. They won their last five games, moving to Joe Brady, but his EPA play per play was down, and a lot of these guys were saying, well, you know, Ken Dorsey was the better OC, but, you know, it, it, down the stretch of the season with the EPA per play down, that type of thing, they still were able to win games
2: at a higher level. Right. Um, so some of these things just fall on deaf ears. At, at the end of the day, oh, you're right. At the end of the day, as a coach, really, or as a player, you're given either one of two grades. You either get an A or an F. Right. Pass fail. That's it. Yeah. Either you won or you lost. And, you know...
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: New Orleans, which, which I didn't like. that I really had to break, really work hard to break. And part of this was just I was instilled with the coaching staff before we got there was we're a defensive team. The offense is there just not to mess it up, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, I had to preach to our guys over and over and over again. Like, when we would have a really good practice on offense, our our defense struggled a little bit. I'd say, guys, there's going to be games we have to win 40 to 38, and there's going to be games we have to win 14 to 10. That's what championship teams do, Mm -hmm. okay? They find a way to win the game. You can say whatever you want about the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. They don't care how they win. Though I've seen them come out with twenty five straight throws if, if the if the secondary stinks. I've seen them come out in twenty two personnel and run load power, you know, ten times in a row if the team's struggling against the run. They don't care. They right. their goal they don't care about the, the, anything that we talked about with the analytics. They just want to have one more point than the other team at the end of the game. And so, you know, that's that's kind of how we feel. We, we're we're going to win games different ways.
0: Yeah. Now, talking with head coach of the Memphis Showboats, John DiFilippo. Um, now, you uh, were part of a, a championship team and a very interesting championship team, Super Bowl <laughs> team, I might add. Super Bowl 52, you were the quarterback's coach um, for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. uh, when you won 41, speaking of a high-scoring game, mm-hmm. 41-33 against the New England Patriots. Take me through that year. That was nuts. It that was, was nuts.
2: Incredible. It was incredible. First off, I've never been a part of an organization where, like, it everything just came into place. Right. Like, And there's a reason why. And it starts with the owner, Jeffrey Lurie. Mm-hmm. He's – I like to see a better owner in sports than him. I, I, I've i never worked for one. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I've worked for some really good owners. But he was, like – he was probably the most hands-on owner that I've ever been a part of. Like, most of the owners, they stand off to the side. You know, he wanted to learn about you as a person. He wanted to know about you as a coach. Like – um, and then that trickled down to Howie Roseman, who is, you know, he, Howie's not afraid to take a chance on a player. If, if we're deficient in an area, that season we went out and traded for JJ, yep. Which I'm not sure that we win the Super Bowl without J.H.I. Yep. So, you know, and then it goes down to Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and, you know, Jeff Stoutland, the line coach, and, and all those guys. You know, Jim Schwartz on defense, everyone saw the job he did in Cleveland this year. Um, we had an all-star cast of 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 I had an all star cast of colleagues to work with, and then on top of that, we had tremendous leadership. Um, there was great self policing on the team, yep, like the coaches a lot of times didn 't have to get involved in a lot of that if we had a, we had a free agent come in and he did something to practice, and two, about two guys pulled him aside, I was like that 's not the way we do things around here yep. okay, and so we had great self policing we had great leadership. Uh, Carson was playing fantastic until he went down against the Rams. He was going to be the MVP of the league. Yep. And then Nick comes in and does his thing and, and leads us to the Super Bowl. It was the most ultimate team effort from ownership to management to coaching to players to everyone pulling in the same direction. And it was really awesome to be a part of.
0: Yeah. Were there any nerves? Like when, when Carson went down and you have Nick Foles, and we know, you know he was a veteran at that time and he had some good years behind him. But how much, how much of it was, you know, you have nerves about what he's going to be able to do, and he ultimately pulls through. Did you have, like, that ultimate confidence that he was going to be able to go win a Super Bowl?
2: Absolutely. For you guys that year? For sure. And um, we were just really good as a team. And we had some injuries on that team, too. We lost yeah. about five or six starters on that team before the team before the game. So, um, you know, I gave myself, when, we, landed, when we, we won the NFC East that night in L.A., the night Carson went down mm-hmm. playing the Rams. Okay, Nick came in and played really well when Carson. Got very hurt. weird injury, by the way, how that all shook
0: out. Yeah, just jumped through and just sort of got pinned. His knee got pinned. It was in odd. There.
2: Yeah, it was odd. And honestly, I thought he people don't know this, and you're not supposed to talk about injuries, but he had had a bruised thigh going into yeah. the game. Okay, which not a lot of people knew about. Um, didn't miss practice or anything, but uh, I thought when he got up, he was limping. I thought he'd gotten maybe hit on his thigh. Yeah, and he got you know it was just a little bit of a you know thigh re injuring of his thigh. But it obviously wasn't. I saw the replay and I sit over the heads so I go, it's not good. Yeah. I said, "His knee buckled. And so I gave myself from when the wheels were up in L.A. till the when the wheels were down in Philadelphia, I, I sulked and felt sorry for Carson and, and myself and the team and, and and everyone. And then I was like, you know what? I better snap out of this because if I don't give Nick and this team my full energy and my full belief, I said, like, how is Nick going to go and, and function and, you know, if his own position coach is sulking around? So – that's what you have to do. It's, it's truly is a next man up mentality in pro football. Yeah. whatever team you're coaching with, and um, you just you feel sorry for the player, you feel sorry for the team at the time, but you have to move on.
0: Yeah, you do, you do, and you guys moved on in an unbelievable fashion. I just I couldn't believe it. Up now, Philly special was that yeah. was
2: that who, who who drew that up ultimately? You know, we copied that from Press Taylor, who's now the the uh, OC of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Would keep a log. Of he'd go through the games each week and keep a log of like trick plays, right. rounds, blah 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 blah. So he came in one day and was like, "Hey, this is a really cool play. The Bears actually ran it against the Vikings the year before, right? Okay." Um, and so we literally copied the play off them, literally, <laughs> per se. We just copied it off them. How mu-
0: how, mu- how much of that happens though? Like that is that's uh, a that's a constant.
2: It happens. Mimicking it happens, sure. And, and to say that you've never done it, like a lot of times you won't run it against the same team, like you see something on tape from the week before, you're like, oh, that's a really cool concept. Well, let me write that down. Let me put that. If we're playing a Seattle cover three team, like, well, they just got hit on it. So they're going to be coaching that up this year. But Hey, the next Seattle cover three team we play, that's a scheme that's very popular in the NFL right Right. now. Um, Let's go ahead and run it against them. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So, Yes, there is. Very rarely will you just line up and run the same exact play against the team the next week, or somebody's that's hit them on it uh, because they're they're ready for it. You may hide it, you may shift to it, you may motion to it, and try it again. Uh, but very rarely you just line up and, and play.
0: Yep. Now, last thing on on the Eagles front, at least, yeah. That that year, Jason Kelsey retired. Man, how, um, how does how, how do you feel about that uh, from a leadership standpoint? Seems like he is the he has always been. Sort of the forefront of the guy of the guys in that locker room that people turn to in sort of the tough times and in the when they have issues,
2: you know the great players I've been around I've been fortunate enough to be around a, a ton of them they all have they have a lot they all have the same qualities, okay, and the majority of them are true professionals mm-hmm. and that's how you would describe Jason Kelsey. He's a true professional. Um, I was in charge of the sub blitzes both in two thousand and sixteen and seventeen when I was there, so I would study. And break down all the sub pressures of the team that we were playing the next week. Right. So I had the whole season done. Okay. When I would, I would type in what the co- yeah. what the call for the quarterback was for the center, blah, blah blah blah. Right. I got Jason in two years from OTAs, training camp, practice, walkthroughs. I fooled him twice yeah. in two years. That's I mean, guys are standing and me. he's like, "Oh no, he's coming from over here," and the guy's just standing there, and I'm like, "Yeah." He goes. I just felt his body language.
0: And sometimes in shotgun, he has to put his head between his legs and lift up, and he still probably. That's right. It. And he's it's just—it's unbelievable. Yeah. The guys.
2: I mean, those guys, those Hall of Fame type players are just—they have freaky qualities. Yeah. And they—he's—he's he's got a freak mind when it comes to seeing football. Yep. Yeah. Now talking with uh,
0: head coach of the Memphis Showboats, John D. Filippo. Now, uh, what's your schedule looking like? Uh, Coming up, uh, March 30th is when we're going to start the season, inaugural season of the United Football League. What's the schedule going to be like between now and then?
2: Um, Right. Well, with the players, we go down, we show up as coaches on February 19th. We just got done two of our drafts. Um, We're very excited that we bring 75 players to camp, like we said earlier, instead of 58. So we're going to have another week of training camp. So we have four weeks of training camp. So the players come in the 24th of February. And then we get going. Like you said, that weekend of March 30th, March 31st, the schedule has not been released yet. We're all on pins and needles waiting for that sucker to get released. But uh, the best part about this whole thing is the Memphis showboats were, you know, Memphis was spoiled a little bit last year because they had the showboats here. Right. You know, it's going to be, we're very fortunate to be playing all of our games here again. Yeah. So instead of the, you know, I was the New Orleans Breakers last year, but we played in Birmingham. So we're all excited about being here talking to you in Memphis. Right. Like, this is our home now. Yes. And so being able to do things in the community and, and, and go out tonight for dinner, we got to find a place that's open. I think we have. <laughs> but um, those are the things that is going to get this league going and, and keep it going, get people excited about it. So we're real excited to be here.
0: Now, last thing, curiously, when it, you know, there's some – Maybe some misnomers. I want to ask you your opinion when it comes to being hands on versus hands off. The work schedule. Mm -hmm. What is it? What What's the difference between NFL, USFL, or is it
2: very similar? It's the exact same. So we're we're an eight to four thirty team, and that's what that's what we that's what the NFL is now. Depending on traffic, if you're in the Bay Area, you may go seven thirty to four to beat the traffic, but we're we're eight to four thirty, and the players are done. And so that's we I. Teach our players. I said, this is what, when you go back to the NFL, this is exactly the schedule you're going to have. Yep. Okay? Exactly the schedule you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of time for meetings, the amount of time for walkthroughs, the amount of time for practice. And so it's very, very similar.
0: Yep. Now holler at me about tickets. How do, how do we get some of my listeners involved
2: there? And what do they need to do? At VUFL.com slash tickets. And that's what we need the most, is our fans to come out and make this a home field advantage for yep. us. That's going to be key for us, and then it's our job to put a great brand of football on the field where people want to come watch it. So it's a two way street here we need We need our fans to show up and get and help us out, and then we need to do our job to make sure we put an exciting product on the field. Yes, and that's sir. what we're working to do.
0: Yes, sir. Well, I am looking forward to it. I'll make it out to a couple of games, awesome. um, but. Uh... You have fun through training camp and everything else? Thank you. And we'll catch up here soon. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. But he is head coach of the Memphis Showboats, John DiFilippo. We will post this interview up on the podcast here shortly at 929ESPN.com. But we need to go ahead and get to a break. And on the other side, we're going to have a very brief stop, a brief uh, conversation with Jeff Calkins as he has some other things he needs to get done. But uh, we will talk to him next right here on 929FM ESPN.